0: All right, class, it's the NCAA Men's Ice Hockey Regionals. Welcome to Fandom 101. Want to help your squad rule the rink? Here's your assignment. Lesson one, get loud for every goal. Two, Working groups. And three, attendance is encouraged, but passion is mandatory. The NCAA Men's Ice Hockey Bridgeport Regional. March 24th and 26th at Total Mortgage Arena in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Buy your tickets today at NCAA.com MFrozen4. Class dismissed.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of RinkWise, New England's premier hockey podcast produced by the New England Hockey Journal. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. Back again, to no surprise, is our very own Evan Miranowski in studio now that the prep season has come to an end. Evan, thanks for joining us.
2: Of course. It is only fitting that we do this. We did a, we did a preseason show, we did midseason, we did playoff preview, and now we're here. It's over. It's only a week which I think is something that you've had to adjust to as a coach coming in and going from the MIAA, where it's a long marathon. Definitely a marathon. You go to the NEPSAC, where it's a sprint. And adjusting to this, I mean, the content we had on the website, it was just like a, a full week of just like, Go, 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 go. And so, and for teams it was the same thing. So happy to be here. It's always fun doing this. We had a good we had a good season with stuff like this.
1: Oh, it was a great season. And it's hard to believe that another prep season has come and gone. And I think when we get into this this pod and our discussion, a lot of things that we predicted matched up. Some didn't. We had some upsets. We had a little bit of everything in the playoffs, which was just incredible.
2: Which is great. And which is what you want, right? I mean, I think that's the the main thing. And you look at across the bracket like with when we're we'll do boys and girls today on the boys side there were the elite eight there were a few upsets and but on the the small school side there were a number a few huge upsets which we'll get to so that's the fun I feel like if you're on that team it's not very fun if you're getting upset but for everybody else it's 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 this time of year where the upsets are what's really the most interesting part of it
1: oh it's great it's like a it's a roller coaster
2: of yes. excitement, if you will. That's you know, the best part downs. of it. And, and that's what, like, that's uh, to me, like we'll get into the elite eight in a second. There was one in the first round that I was fortunate enough to be at that really, I mean, it was an upset because of the seeds. I think the teams were much closer than that, but it was still on paper, a very big upset. And I think that's been, that was the fun of the whole thing, which is great.
1: And you were right though, about the playoffs in the prep, Evan. So that was the biggest difference that I saw between the MIAA and the prep is it really is like a, playoff sprint. It's one week. And the reason is also too, because it's, it's, it's much harder to get into the playoffs on the prep scene. So just like on the girls side, for example, they only take 20 teams out of almost 60. So, and outside of that 20, there's just a pile of great teams that don't get in. So it's much harder to get in. And then you're, you're basically playing over one week. So it takes three games, win a championship. So, so much different, but Let's get into it. So let's start with first off, we did a pod leading into the playoffs before they began, and mm-hmm. we essentially came up with our prediction of what the brackets would look like, and we were pretty close, I think, on on most, but there were some surprises. So let's start with that and the elite eight.
2: The elite eight with the boys, I, I think, the when we did the podcast, it was right before the last weekend, About a game
1: a- or so that yeah, there was to like there
2: play. was a like game, there like were two games left for some teams. And we, I think we had St. Mark's in the Elite Eight. They got pushed out. We, I think we had Taft as well. And it ended up being Westminster and Kimball Union sneaking in. Kimball Union's an interesting one. I didn't think, I didn't think much of Westminster getting in. Like I didn't really think they were an upset. They had the upset potential. Kimball Union though was an interesting team when they came in because they, they were. I, I looked back at our magazine from the beginning of the year. They were, I think, our preseason two.
1: They were. Yeah. They were a they preseason
2: were two pick. And we weren't far off. They were at eight when things were all said and done, but they had everything, I thought. And now I still, on the website, picked Cushing because I I thought Cushing was far and away the much better team, felt like their year, all that stuff. We'll get to that in a bit. But I I think I wrote this as well. Like, if Kimball Union was playing anybody else, they might be an upset candidate. Like, they had the goaltending, they had depth on D, they had strong forwards up front, they were a very good eight seed. Now Cushing disposed of them like right. it was not a close game. Right. But it, it, but yeah, Kimball Union getting in there was a was an interesting an interesting thing. And I think if they were in the if they had been in the large school bracket, which I think the, that's the bracket they would have been in, I think they would have taken care of business. But because they were in the elite elite eight, it didn't really work. To their Almost favor. a
1: downside, if you will, a little bit. If you are the eight seed, yes. you know, yeah. get in that spot. That great, you're in the elite eight. However. You're matched up with a one seed in your first we're, game.
2: Yeah, with the best team in the, or going in the best team. So K- Kimball Union was an interesting one. You know, that that really was not a close game. That was, you know, Cushing controlled that game from start to finish. Cushing should have won that game, and they did. The two interesting games, though, from that, from the quarterfinal round of the Elite Eight, to me, were Nobles, Brunswick, and Milton Academy, Belmont Hill. Nobles, Brunswick was a thriller. Nobles went up. Brunswick came back in the third period, won it in overtime. Brunswick has a really had a really good I, we have to say had not has it's past tense now, right, right, yeah. which is weird. And
1: that was a big upset too because yeah, it, was, it was, was it,
2: it was an upset
1: ahead of them simply in the rankings. Yep,
2: it was. And no, I think Nobles had the advantage in net, maybe a little bit of an advantage on D, but Brunswick, credit to them, went into Nobles and used that offensive firepower to kind of climb back in the game. Belmont Hill and Milton Academy was a really interesting game because those two teams rivals from the same from the ISL yep. they'd played earlier in the year close game first and then Milton Academy at the end of the year. I mean, killed them. I think it was like 6 to 2 at Milton. And Belmont Hill was not happy about that. It almost worked to it almost worked against Milton Academy, I think. Cuz Belmont Hill came in that quarterfinal game and they controlled play. They they dominated. They the first half of that first period was all Belmont Hill and It was close at the start, and then Belmont Hill just kind of went away. Unfortunate ending of the season for Sam Caulfield, the goalie for Milton. I mean, he was one of, if not the best, goalies in prep all season long and just had a bad... Final game of the season, it happens. Like it's, and it shouldn't, it shouldn't diminish the impact he had. With, I mean, that's Milton was a three seed because of Sam. so I don't think that should diminish his season. But Belmont Hill just kind of ran the table in that game. So those were the two really interesting ones from the Elite Eight, from the quarterfinal round. I thought
1: he sure did have a great season, and yeah. especially on a younger team this year, and just incredible run. And we have to kind of sometimes remember it's a lot of, lot of pressure in these games, and these these kids are Tons. still young, and it just it it takes I think a while. Sometimes to get that experience just to play consistently in these big games with high pressure and, and that sort of thing
2: And that's a t- and that's a tough part and you see that even with especially in the championship game being there on Sunday with the, the three championship games The first five minutes of each game was pretty messy because every kid's nervous no kid wants to mess up like it's no one wants to be the reason that their team loses in the first five minutes of the game and it's and you see that even in professional hockey, you see that in the, in n h l playoff games, it starts off slow and sloppy, and you see this in your game stephanie like and so I think with 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 that the unfortunate part of these games is there is a loser unfortunate <laughs> and yes. it's an unfortunate part it's part of the game, but it is it is there and again, I think you even look past that like Belmont Hill. I think a lot should be said about Belmont Hill this year. They lost a lot coming off the team last year that went to the Elite Eight final against Salisbury. And they had a little bit of a rocky start to the year, a little uneven with wins and losses. But they completely turned it around. They came together, had an amazing second half. And then to make the Elite Eight and to beat Milton Academy in the first round. Obviously, yeah, they lost to Avon 7-2. to Going to Avon to play that game. Incredibly difficult. Avon was; they beat Belmont Hill beat Avon last year in the Elite Eight, so yeah, they were driven. But a lot should be said about Brian Finney and the job he did with Belmont Hill this year. I mean, it was really impressive what he was able to do, what that team was able to do. And JJ Thibodeau and Net Keegan Wilson, the sophomore, played the all the playoff games. But you know what they were able to do, and was really impressive. So again, obviously the focus is on cushing and Avon, and mainly Avon for winning. But you know, really can't be said enough how good of a season Belmont Hill had.
1: Great example of just how how incredible that coach is as well, because we talked about this just prior to the show starting, just when you, you don't have as much per se to, to work with and you still get such great results out of a young group, true testament to an outstanding coach.
2: And, and he's quickly becoming and has become one of the top head coaches in prep, which is incredible considering he's been there for two years. So I think for me, he's someone that he won coach of the year for England Hockey Journal last year. So I, I think might have to give it to someone else this year and we'll see what ends up happening with the awards. But he really had an outstanding year and that team did too. I mean, Brock Cummings becomes a number one center and Matt Biotti and Lenny Greenberg kind of jump to the forefront on the back end with Josh Doolin. And like, there's all these Moving parts, so they were an impressive group. But I mean, if I'm being honest, we're talking about elite eight, we got to spend time talking about Avon and Cushing because that game was. Oh yeah, yeah. You that's- know, and, and it's funny because that game was the final game on Sunday, and everyone looked at the schedule and said, "All right." Like anyone who was there the entire day said, "It's going to be worth it to watch this game at the end." Two best teams in prep hockey, and I think that was the. I, I was. You don't root for teams to win or lose in my position, you stay unbiased. I'm be, unbiased you want to see a guy. great
1: hockey game. You want to see a great you know, hockey game. Back and forth.
2: Great hockey game. Back and forth. And that's what Cushing and Avon provided. I was so happy. That's how it was. My only gripe with the game. I only gripe with the game. And it again, it's I, I just wish we got to see the two teams duke it out at five on five.
1: So let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. You, were, you were there. So yes. you had the the luxury that you could see in person all mm-hmm. these great games. And I think first off, to no surprise necessarily that those were the two teams that ended up being in the championship yes. together. Oh and God. Yeah. We, we could see that path kind of forming before the playoffs started and they both took care of business, got themselves to the championship. So let's, let's walk through it. So you had a chance to to sit there and you, you got to see this and, Yes, unfortunate at the end. Mm-hmm. Five on three call. So, how was the game though overall? Like, how was the first period? Second period? How was the competition?
2: Great. Our first period, I believe Cushing outshot them by a ton. But again, I think one thing, one misconception I had about Avon going into the game. Stephen Peck, their goaltender, best goals against average coming in, incredibly high save percentage, one of the top in the region going into Sunday. I think a lot of times I, I attributed Avon being really good around him to his success. Like, oh, he's not getting a ton of shots. Oh, he, oh, he he's never really had to... Ca- like, Rudy Giamond, which we'll get to in a second with Taft, has had to carry Taft through most for, through a lot of the season. Sam Caulfield has had a lot of games where he's carried Milton. Stephen Peckett never felt like was carrying them to the degree that his numbers showed. I was wrong on some of that. He... I, to me, was the main reason they won that game. 44 saves on 44 shots against Cushing. It's the first time Avon had to play a team better than them all year. And Peck, I would say, was their MVP of that game for them. We'll get to tournament MVPs, but MVP that game, just outstanding play from him.
1: Didn't we, we said that, I think, also going into, to the playoffs, that whoever was going to beat Cushing, if that happened, the goalie had to play amazing.
2: And he did. And, and, you know, it's funny, like Cushing had some really good chances he was so square to shooters. He never was out of position. He was v- just very composed. And I was really impressed with how well he played. And to me, I mean, he's the re- reason they won that game. So I think that was one misconception I had about Avon, and he put that to bed pretty quickly for me. The five-on-three.
1: So this was at the end of the game.
2: This was this was early in the third period. So how
1: Avon scored their five-on-three their, five essentially on three their, their goal. Goal. The game-winner.
2: The, it was the game-winner. Both, to me, both bo- they were both boarding calls. No ref wants to call anything in these games. The first game had no penalties. The, small, the large school final at 12 o'clock had no penalties. It was glorious. These were... You couldn't not call them. Like, they were just boards. It happened. You no, know, just it, They had to be called, unfortunately. It's an unfortunate part of the game. They had to be called. And when you put Avon on a 5-on-3, or if you put Cushing on a 5-on-3, both those teams are going to score. Now, granted... The rest of the game, Cushing had a power play after, and they had five on five for the rest of the game. They had six on five at one point, and they they couldn't score. So like again, they had a lot of chances. I think my only thing with it was like, oh, it would have been really cool to like that for those boarding calls to, to have never happened. Now I'm saying. They were both boarding penalties, so you can't not call them. But I'm saying that if you could just erase them and say, all right, just do five on five for the whole third period, that would have been the most exciting because it was one one going into the third.
1: It's it's tough. Yeah, it's it's a tough. I, I know I've been in that situation and it's it's a tougher pill to swallow, so to speak, if you lose that, that, that championship game shorthanded. And five on three is is no question a huge opportunity. In that, in that moment, and essentially it was the game winner. So it's it's tough. I think if you look at that, you you want to just look at the game, and I agree with you. I don't think any ref wants to make a call that's going to essentially steer the game one direction or another. However, I think the only way you can really kind of maybe be okay with that was the roughing consistent throughout the entire game. Did they call similar penalties all game? Because, of course, at the end, is it's not the time that you want to see some of those calls made.
2: And, and I, again, I, to me, like, it, what these weren't, like, Hooking calls are true. Like, they were boarding. You can't... Like, there's stuff you have to call. And it's an unfortunate part. It's unfortunate for Cushing. Learning
1: Um, for that team, too. It it is. We got to we have to stay disciplined it is know, in key it parts is of the game.
2: Yeah, absolutely absolutely and the, the second boarding was on a fo- like a forecheck like it was it was they were still killing a penalty and they were four-checking, and they hit the def- the defender but to me i just a lot of credit to avon to capitalize on the 5 on 3 and then to hold the lead like to hold a one goal lead in a championship game in the third period against cushing is impressive it's really impressive and they also killed off a penalty in that time as well that, is,
1: that is impressive and very
2: impressive and then they scored the empty netter at the end and I, I mean again like Avon deserved that Avon completely they they just they played right they played well. Peck played amazing. And in a lot of these games, and I, Cushing had some chances at the end that I thought well, might what, go in. Let,
1: let's talk about that. I was going to say it must have been a thriller right at the end. Like walk us through the final 20, 30 seconds.
2: I mean, I would say like final three minutes was thrilling. I believe if memory serves, Landon Resendez hit the post with like a minute 30 left in the game for Cushing. Came down the right side, right off the post, and they had chances. They had a lot of control in the Avon zone, but Avon kept them to the outside for the most part. They cleared the front well, and then I think believes Alex Pelletier had the empty netter with like I want to say like forty five seconds left. And credit to the Avon fans for being there because Avon going from Avon, Connecticut to Manchester, New Hampshire, not a short drive
1: makes a huge difference. Makes a big I difference, think too.
2: and they still they had a they had a student section, and they were loud and that place went crazy when avon won
1: it's hard to play in that too it's just you have it's the pressure builds and when you're in that situation you have a loud arena lots of fans and i think if you're the opponent it's that's hard to play in sometimes
2: it is and again i think that it it was a terrific game i'm glad it was the last game of the day to let you know let it be like the 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 main event so to speak as it's the elite eight it should be and i was really happy to see it was those two teams duking it out because it feels like despite the five on three thing you want to see the two best teams go at it and crown a champion, and I think that's the that was the coolest part. Because if it, no disrespect, but if it was Brunswick and Belmont Hill, both would have done everything they could to deserve to be there, but then would be like Brunswick won, but like Cushing was the best team all year. It, in, but in this case, we get to say these are the two best teams. Avon won the game, did the champion.
1: The championship did not disappoint.
2: As, no, as it we didn't. knew it, 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 and it wouldn't. didn't disappoint another tournaments either with the
3: new england hockey journals Rinkwise podcast will return after this message do you want to skate fast for 50 years laura stam instructors have taught youth players to pros how to skate correctly powerfully and fast players who attend laura stam power skating programs learn how to skate fast by learning how to execute every maneuver in hockey they become powerful stable efficient and explosively fast skaters If you can't wait for a clinic, join our subscription skills video service, and we'll show you the skills taught at our clinics in an easy-to-use video format with training plans to guide your training. Register or subscribe now at laurastam.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-S-T-A-M-M.com. You can learn to skate fast. Do you want to become a better hockey player this summer with Paul Vincent Hockey? Since 1972, Paul Vincent, currently the head skills instructor of the Florida Panthers, has been developing NHL and college hockey players. Paul Vincent stands by his saying, there's always room for player development. Players such as Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Keith Yandel, Matt Grizzlick, Patrick Sharp, Adam Oates, and many more have trained with Coach Vincent and his staff and have outstanding results. Join Paul Vincent this summer at one of his four Massachusetts locations, Canton, Saugus, Middleton, and Falmouth on Cape Cod. To reserve your spot today, go to pvhockey.com or call 978-807-4070. That's pvhockey.com or call 978-807-4070. Paul Vincent is ready to get back to work this summer. Are you?
0: All right, class, it's the NCAA Men's Frozen Four. Welcome to Fandom 101. Wanna help your team rule the rink? Here's your assignment. Lesson one, go big for every goal. Two, when you bring it, bring enough for the whole class. And three, attendance is encouraged, but passion is mandatory. The NCAA Men's Frozen Four, April 6th and 8th at Amelie Arena in Tampa, Florida. Buy your tickets today at ncaa.com slash 4 Class dismissed.
1: With Cushing, it's obviously you want to win that last game of the year, and clearly I'm sure they're very disappointed. However, they had an incredible season, yeah. and Coach Paul Pearl has done a remarkable job during his time there so far. And they also made significant strides from last year's disappointing Elite Eight.
2: I think that's one of the biggest things is like they they lived up to the hype that we put on them. <laughs> that was us. But to me, like, again, I look at how good that team was all year, how much better they got. I mean, you have Lana Resendez and Ethan Gardula, both over 50 points on D a lot of guys stepped up. Cooper Rottenstrock and net was terrific. Like they, they had a, an outstanding team. And, I would love to see Cushing and Avon play seven game series. I at this point I don't know who I would pick in a seven game series. They will obviously will not be doing that. But you know I mean t- it was a really great championship, and I'm glad that that was the the final. And I think both teams were happy they got each other. Like I think I know Cushing was dying to play Avon in that in that championship game because they wanted some revenge. It's the two best
1: teams. So that's yes, what, that's what you that's want what on you that want. Stage. Yeah. And, uh, listen, when you get when you get to that final game, it's it's 50 at that point. It is because it's it's one game and uh, it's it's basically whoever. Shows up in that particular game and makes elite mistakes and again, it's it's a it's a one game series at that point. and I think for Cushing it's it's obviously they wanted to win, but you know, I think when you you got to think of it almost progressionally as well, it's significant improvement from last year. I know when we won our first championship, we made the quarterfinals one year, semifinals, second, semifinals, and then finally broke through and won yeah. so it's it's progression, and I think no question we will uh We'll be talking still a lot about them next year leading into the season. I'm
2: excited for when we do that preview, which is a long time from now, but we'll have a lot of, we will have a lot of prep content throughout the, the uh, throughout the spring, summer, and fall, so the prep people, prep parents, and fans and kids, there's a lot of stuff coming. There's a ton of stuff coming on there.
1: as always. And uh, Evan, why don't we shift now to the large school, the boys, yes, the let's boys do side, it. and let's start with the bracket there. So, were there any surprises or any changes from what we had initially predicted?
2: The the surprise from the matchups was Tabor beat Saint Seb. So uh, Tabor was five, Saint Sebastian's was four, and I would have. So I will say I wrote this on the online as well. I think Jeff Cox wrote the exact. Same thing, basically. I would have picked Tabor had Jack DeRusso been playing. Jack DeRusso, star player for Tabor,
1: interesting, do it is. all
2: player, injured at the end of the season and missed the the, the playoffs. So I said Tabor's not going to have him. That's a big loss. Saint Sebs has really strong forward group up front. I'm going to pick Saint Sebs. I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. I have to happen in wrong. happen often. It's crazy. It doesn't happen doesn't. that much. But no. when it does, it's stunning when it happens. <laughs> but credit to Tabor, they beat him by three goals. So again, Tabor, good team. I, I, you know, again, I wouldn't say that's a huge upset, but numbers wise, I mean, that is a an upset.
1: It's tough to be missing one of your top players. It is big game. It yeah. is kind of like uh, with Saint Mark's, as we said, with Richard Gallant. You yeah, know, it's a huge yeah. loss, and you try to adjust, but can you really? Exactly. I mean, how do you replace exactly?
2: Players? And we'll get to them in a minute. I mean, them have not having Calvin Beard also hurt them a lot. But I mean, large school went. Chalk the whole way, pretty much. I mean, Tabor obviously beats Saint Sebastian's, but you know Taft beat them. Then Salisbury beat number three Dexter. It was great to see number one and number one Taft and Salisbury number two in there in the final because I think the two really intriguing storylines entering that game, where Salisbury is this powerhouse school, usually in the elite eight. Now they're in the large bracket final. Andrew will arguably the top coach in prep hockey, and then you have on the other side Taft, who has the arguably the best goalie in prep hockey. They're the number one seed, but they're kind of underdogs because Salisbury is historically so good. And Taft taking that in overtime was and was just, it was a thrilling first game. That was the beauty of the whole day was each game was a thriller, which yeah. is, you don't get often.
1: Evan, how did you handle that? Like, I know. I mean, were you just in hockey overload with all <laughs> yeah, these exciting it was, games?
2: Yes, yeah, there was too much going on. It, and what's tough is sometimes with these championships, you see it, Stephanie, you'll have a, a hyped up matchup and it'll be like a 4-1 game. And it's like, oh, Really? Like that's you don't want that. It happens, yeah. It happens, no, it, but it you does. don't want it. I remember this is an NHL analogy. I remember covering Bruins Blues Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Final in 2019, and the Blues won four to one. And it's like, eh, would have liked a closer game. Would have liked a much closer game. And
1: Evan, what I attribute that to sometimes is I think that you the 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 hype of that championship. It's just like playing in that championship game is just so much different from any of your games. <laughs> In the season leading up to that, and for example, like the rink is usually a million times warmer than it is normally. Yep. And that makes a huge impact on how kids perform on the ice, especially if they're not hydrated properly. I rem- these are these are I know like small things. No, but
2: you're right. I remember.
1: But I think plays a huge impact.
2: I remember in my. St- in my MIAA state final in 2017, I remember doing one lap around the TD. Now, they didn't play TD Garden, obviously, but I did one lap around the garden ice and I was soaked in sweat. Oh, it's, because it's hot. so hot. It's hot. It break. is hot. You don't realize it, but it, like, the garden is like that for the spectators.
1: So I have a funny story, actually. So last year when we played in the garden and we, we had a game later in the day, it was like five o'clock. Mm-hmm. And so a bunch of games played before that. So Bet that
2: ice was perfect. As, you, well, as you, Yeah. The
1: later you go in the day as well, it gets hotter and yeah. hotter and oh. the ice gets chewed up. But anyway, so it was so hot in that rink. The going into the second and third period, like the girls, I I laughed, their faces weren't, weren't even red anymore. They were, they were white. And and I was like, to the other coaches, should we be worried? They need
2: electrolytes. Yeah.
1: But, but again, like these things, and, and I kind of joked in my head, I'm like, is this why they look like they're, they're trying to skate in quicksand right now? But, (laughs) but these are just different things like that in, in the rink in that particular day, like they, they do really make a, a big impact. And so sometimes Instead of like the one goal game that you were anticipating, it can maybe shift a little bit more in one direction or another. And
2: it's funny because like Taft, I think it was Jackson Hole scored. Taft went up two to one in the third. He just turned and threw it on net, and it went off of a Salisbury defender and right in. Tough. I remember thinking like that's gonna be tough. That's the eventual winner. It was not but the over, but the overtime. Like the overtime, uh, it's funny. Salisbury controlled. I would say Salisbury controlled the play for most of the game. Rudy Giamon for Taft was. Their MVP, he was outstanding. 49 saves, 51 shots in that game, which is absurd. But again, for him, that's not anything new. He's done that literally all year. And But again, I mean, I look at, like, that overtime. Taft didn't have many chances in the Salisbury end, but on the goal they scored, it was just a mad scramble in front of the net. Just guys poking at it, digging at it. De- Salisbury defenders trying to get it out. And then the puck just kind of came out to the point. Alexander Kennerson comes in, just shoots it through, sifts it through, all the bodies in front of him, it goes right in, and the place goes nuts. He actually, funny enough, earlier in the... Taft and Salisbury played twice prior to Sunday. Both were 3-2 to overtime games. Taft won the first, Salisbury won the second. In that first Taft win... Alexander Kennerson scored the overtime winner. So two overtime winners against Salisbury this year for the defenseman. I mean, that is incredible. That
1: is incredible. That's
2: the beauty of it. That's the fun of it.
1: Big players can play in big games.
2: Big games, big players too. So to me, like that was a really good primer for the day. That would kind of set the tone for how good the day was going to be. And the number one seed wins in that bracket. Again, it wasn't, there were no big upsets, as I said, but does not mean there wasn't a lot of exciting action.
1: Well, and lots of hockey that day. Now, were you able to get out and get some lunch like you did when you were scouting at Merrimack? restaurant. oh my God.
2: No, so you know (laughs) what's funny? Some of the other people there, the My Hockey Live crew ordered lunch. They ordered like subs. I don't know where they ordered it from, but I I wasn't hungry at the time, but I was very fortunate. My sister goes to St. Anselm. My sister Rachel goes to St. Anselm. Lucky, a
1: little family reunion. (laughs)
2: So it was great. I I was so pumped this was at St. Anselm. So I texted her and I said, can you please bring me chips? And then later <laughs> they can you please bring me like dinner? And she did credit to her. Classic. And it was, uh, it was from the dining hall. Sibling it, love. It was not number one dining, like my beloved UMass, but the popcorn, chicken and fries I had were very good. And they, 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 they did the job. So it was, uh, it was great. I was very thankful. Well, Thanks, Rachel.
1: We're, we're happy to hear that. And uh, so of course the, that set the, the tone for the day, as you said, now let's shift to the small school. Bracket. This is,
2: this was, this did not go chalk. This was all over the place.
1: All over the place. Well, we can't get it right all the time
2: no, no, we can't. We can't. I mean, the big, the biggest upset of the entire tournament was number eight New Hampton beating St. Mark's number one five four in overtime. Again, it should be noted St. Mark's didn't have Richard Gallant. They didn't have Calvin Beard, top defenseman, top forward. That's a huge loss. That's They're
1: a hu- huge impact. Again, as we said, it's just you you can't. As you try, you try as a coach, but it's just you can't replace your big players
2: moments. You, you can't. And I will say New Hampton was an interesting number eight seed because New Hampton. New Hampton had senior Christian Day, who had 50 points this season. Really vital to the offense. Scott Legos, same thing. But Cam Caron, freshman, 07, 47 points in 34 games this year. He's someone who has jumped... Onto the scene completely. Was six foot three, 180 pounds as a, as a freshman. Wow. That's something. That's, that is something. That's that's that, noticeable. That is very noticeable. And he was a big player for them this year. And going in, I remember doing the predictions. And I almost wanted to pick New Hampton. I must admit, Stephanie, I almost wanted to do it. But I didn't do it. I didn't do it.
1: Gotta go with your gut I, next time. Yeah. Should
2: have. And... Um, Credit to them. They edged out a win. They lost to Lawrence Academy by only one goal in the next game. But, I mean, a lot to be proud of for New Hampton. And, again, for St. Mark's, I'm not trying to be Mr. Positive here, but, again, you're missing your two top guys. Like, yeah. I think that yeah. goes a long way.
1: It does, yeah. And lots to build on for New Hampton as well going forward yes. this season. By yeah. The
2: of it. I mean, Cam Karen's a really interesting – I think people should be watching this spring, summer, and fall to see kind of how he develops, what he turns into for them. But, I mean, you look elsewhere in the small school bracket, there weren't any other upsets in the, in the quarter finals but in the semis but so to have lawrence academy they didn't have to face number one st marks so they get to the final and then holderness and frederick gunn was kind of the 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 big game at the semi-final holderness frederick Gunn wins in overtime three to two another exciting another exciting overtime finish but you know it was an interesting to have in the final no number one or two seed because the other two that was how it went so
1: that's right yeah that is interesting the other divisions matched up i two.
2: and i would argue i would argue Lawrence and Frederick Gunn had the best game on Sunday, the most exciting. I
1: was going to ask you, that was going to be kind of the next question, what games really just popped out to you? That
2: one. That was, to me, the middle game. Maybe it's because there wasn't a lot of hype around it. That was the one game where there weren't number one and two seeds. It was the one game where we hadn't seen a lot of Lawrence Academy. We hadn't seen a ton of Frederick Gunn. You know that they're good players on both. That game was, to me, the most exciting. I mean... I still Cushing and Avon was maybe the most interesting because it's like oh my God, these are the two best teams. Lawrence and Frederick Gunn though was the most exciting game itself. mainly the third period. Frederick Gunn went up early in that third period up three to one and then Lawrence stormed back like Law- Owen Leahy we had this is a great photo Dave Arnold, I mean hard to find a better photographer oh, did, than yeah, him.
1: Great job yeah. it, he got
2: a great photo of Owen Leahy. Diving out in midair, poking in a rebound to make it three two with I want to say like seven minutes That's left. That's awesome. He and does a great job. He's d- one of the no, best. Uh, Dave, there is so much to say about Dave. We, we could do a whole podcast <laughs> on Dave. Arnold. Maybe we
1: will. Maybe we we, will. we
2: really should at some point. Yeah. Considering just how good how good he is, I mean, just an outstanding photographer and the the shots he get, shots that he gets, stun me. We actually have we have up on site right now. We have photo gallery stories for each boys' game and each girls game. And the photos that Dave took for the boys' side were spectacular. I mean, really outstanding photos. And on the girls' side, which we'll get to in a second, we we Colin Smith, great photographer. And he got some really good shots at at the Taft School with the girls' games. So that's I have this up on my laptop looking at it right now and I'm very just impressed with how good the pictures are well
1: we'll definitely have to check that out and i I have kind of off topic somewhat and for you now this is something i've thought about what do you think about so kind of like the miaa does with the garden ever at some point having a venue where they could have the boys and the girls games championship games under one roof
2: i would love that i mean i think that's what it should be i mean i don't know why to me like i think you want maximum eyeballs to me you do want to do it with two ice sheets, right? You don't want it to pick the garden where it's like a full day. I think you might want to have it like, <laughs> you don't want to be alternate. there for 20 hours. Yeah, one day. <laughs> that's <laughs> the one thing. As long as it's concessions, the concession stand was not <laughs> open at St. A's, which that's a problem, but a place that I think, again, I'm just going off the top of my head here. I think you want to have two ice sheets. Merrimack's a good place for that.
1: Oh, it's a, it's a fantastic place. I think the only issue we run into with potentially using some of the colleges is it's, unknown whether their seasons are done at this yes. point in the year. So that's just, I think, the only question mark. But again, just a great topic. Fun yes. topic. It's, it'd be really awesome, I think, to be able to see all of the championships in one day under one roof.
2: It would be an interesting story for the website, too, of like top 10 places that would be really good venues for a cha- for Nepsack Championships next year. But back to the game. Incredible action. Obviously, Frederick runs a 3-1. Owen Leahy scores the goal to make it 3-2. And then Lawrence looked... Lawrence looked out of it because Lawrence got a penalty with like just over a minute left in the game. So Frederick Gunn has a power play, face off in the Lawrence end, and Lawrence got control of the puck, pulled Vincent Lamberti in in goal. They go down the other way, and it's five on five, and Josh Erickson scores for Lawrence. Just, he cuts to the net, little shot, goes right through, I believe it was Ryan Croshaw in net for Frederick Gunn, right through his legs. Just... Place erupted with 22 seconds left, no less.
1: That's awesome. So just when you kind of thought a team was maybe down and out, out. found a way to keep coming back and hammering
2: away. That's I remember thinking in my mind, I was like, it'd be a heck of a story if they actually scored on the shorthanded like end of the game here. And they did. And it again, um, incredible action, huge clutch factor. And then in overtime, Owen Leahy gets himself a breakaway and scores the the game winner on just a trickler through Croshaw. So again, I mean, another one of those thrilling games. The only reason I'd put it over Salisbury is just because Salisbury-Taft is because the team came back from a 3-1 deficit when the odds were completely stacked against them. I thought when it was 3-1, I mean, it's funny. So Vincent Lamberti is an interesting story. Senior goalie for Lawrence, he took over the net late in the season and just ran with it went on a huge run for them and had some really impressive performances but when it looked when Frederick Gunn scored those two goals early in the third it's 3-1 it's like oh maybe the run ends here like maybe this is it for for them and it was a cool story and all but Frederick Gunn hired maybe better team on paper whatever but Lawrence credit to them came back and and scored three unanswered to win the game so to me that would be my game of the day but just outstanding hockey
1: Oh, outstanding indeed, and as we said, with this playoff run, so exciting, there was going to be a ton of close games, one-goal games, or overtimes, and we saw a little bit of everything in this playoff run, didn't we?
2: We did, and that was the beauty of it, was there were upsets, there were... Top-level matchups, there were lots of overtimes, tons, especially on Championship Day. And the, and when it's Championship Day and it's going overtime, typically when you're covering a game, you don't want it to go to overtime because you want it to be, you want to have it orderly or whatever. But when it's Championship Day, it was perfect because it was just three straight outstanding games. And that, to me, was the most impressive part of the day. So yeah, heck of a tournament, so fun to cover. So fun to watch so many of the games.
1: Great hockey. Terrific
2: hockey. So yeah, I mean, I really can't say enough about how good it went.
1: Well, and How well it went, excuse me. Cre- credit to yourself also, Evan. Just an outstanding job with all of your coverage. Well, thank and you. We, we thank really you. mean that. I really don't think there's anyone who does a better job than you. And providing such in-depth and thorough coverage. And just for fun, as we were talking, just some of the awards that we're just going to give ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like if you, you saw so many teams and so many great games. So... Uh, and i know there's going to be a lot of people to choose from for this one mm-hmm. who are your thoughts if you had to come up with with one an mvp of the playoffs that you just saw?
2: Well, so I think I'd split it up into Elite Eight, small school and large school. To me, the MVP for Avon was Joe Daniak. I believe he had three goals and three assists over the six games. Three games, excuse me. Six points in total. He was huge in their game against Belmont Hill in the semifinals. Really important. I know his hat trick was in the third. The game was kind of already put away at that point. He had an empty netter in there, but two important assists earlier in the game. Belmont Hill actually was up one nothing and two to one in that Semifinal game. So that game ended seven to two, but it was not as close. I mean, it was not as far apart as the final score indicated. So I'd pick him as the MVP a goalie, though Stephen Pack. I mean, you could make the argument he's the MVP. No too. question. I mean, yeah, he good. was. He was lights out. And then on the on the small school side, a skating MVP I would give to Owen Leahy. Just scores the diving rebound goal to make it 3-2 and then also scores the game winner to me MVP clutch big players showing up in big times he was one of their best players this year he gets the MVP there and then Vincent Lamberti the goalie I just talked about really stepped up and went on a run I mean credit to him it's always awesome to see a senior like that kind of get their shining moment he certainly got it and deserved it like crazy.
1: Makes you happy to see that.
2: Oh my god. And that's 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 one of the fun things like obviously there are players like Joe Connor and Landon Resendez and Rudy Giamond and go on down the list top players who show up big as those guys all did, but it's really cool to see some of the under the radar players kind of jump up and make huge impacts later in in high school. So good for great for Vincent Lamberti large school. I would give MVP to Jackson hole for Taft produced all year, produced like crazy in the playoffs, scored a goal in the final. A lot of credit to him, but goalie of the whole large school tournament and maybe MVP. Hard to I would choose say. from.
1: There's so many great ones. That yeah, we
2: saw. I would go with Rudy Giamond. I don't think that's a hot take at all. I think there's an argument to be made. He's goalie of the year in prep. Well, that's something that we're gonna get to later on when the when the dust settles on the season. But just the amount of saves he made, how good he is in net. Yale commit. Yale is very, very fortunate to have him committed because he is as good a goalie as I've seen in prep hockey this year. So really good talent all all around, and it was just a really fun tournament. But it's it's sad. It's only like... Five days.
1: It's it's sad it's almost over. It, it is. That's so exciting, but then it just comes to a hard stop.
2: It's done. And it's like, oh, but we still have lots of coverage and content, so that's good.
1: We certainly do an outstanding job with all your coverage. Thank and, you. Thank uh,
2: you, Stephanie. Again,
1: you know, a lot of, lot of correct predictions that we started with, and there was just an, an incredible week of hockey.
2: It's funny. Jeff Cox and I did predictions for small, large school and Elite Eight tournament. And Jeff's numbers were a teeny bit better than mine, but both of us were very high, like prediction. Like we did get a lot of predictions right. We were, He was like one or two better than me, I think at the end, but just credit to us for the, the future telling was just incredible. And so, so same to you, Stephanie, that's well- great work this year.
3: Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Looking for a hockey camp this summer? Townsend Hockey is offering skating and skills programs including hockey IQ, scoring, speed, and checking skills for players serious about taking their game to the next level. Townsend Hockey is owned and operated by Graham Townsend, who played and coached at every level including the NHL. Players of all ages can choose from programs in Maine and Massachusetts in July and August. Please visit townsendhockey.com for more information. That's T O W N S H E N D hockey.com.
1: The girls' prep playoffs, Evan, we were pretty correct in a lot of our bracket predictions leading up to that tournament.
2: Before we do that, I do want to say you, your team, Austin Prep, had an amazing season, number four seed in the large bracket.
1: Thank you. Um, Year one.
2: It Just obviously lost in the quarters, but just... To get there, to be there, to be a top four seed in that tournament. I mean, that says a lot, Stephanie. So as you were praising me, I will praise you. I mean, congratulations <laughs> on an amazing season. No, thank Seriously. you.
1: Thank you. Yeah, no, we, we're we super proud of the team and the the girls, and particularly for such a young team. Mm-hmm. As we said we lost 12 players for yeah. last year. and. What a year to lose 12 players when you go into the prep season for your first time. But they, they worked incredibly hard. We're very proud of them. And Evan had to really coach a lot this year. So last year's team was the dream team. And effectively, we almost just had to stay out of their way. <laughs> but no, we're, we're super proud. And I really appreciate that. So yeah, thank you.
2: no, really. I mean, it, that's that is incredibly impressive to come in first year and be number four seed in the large tournament that is that is something i'm really excited to see obviously how you guys grow the next couple years and the the trajectory i have no doubt it's going up which is which is awesome thank you thank you but in the elite eight bracket it it was a little bit of an upset with nobles beating Tabor, but i don't feel like that was a huge upset because nobles is nobles
1: that's right yeah and and so starting with the bracket that we, with the podcast that we did leading up to that. So we were correct in the Mm -hmm. eight that we projected that would land there. And so there was no surprises leading into that. And as we said, that the one through five was really like the heavyweights in in that division. And with Nobles is your number five, technically, then that's a pretty strong division.
2: That's a very strong division. So
1: what I thought kind of leading into it was with those top five teams, it could go either way. In any of the games. And so I, I think the, especially when, when we get to the semifinals, Williston played Nobles and Evan, I've heard from, I didn't get unfortunately a chance to go see in person like, like you could, but I, I heard from numerous people and you know, that game went into overtime. It was one of the best girls high school games they've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So if we can imagine just how close that was and how competitive it was. And in my opinion, I, I think there was basically three teams that could have been in the championship, but only two spots. So yeah, that was how close it was. When and we got down
2: credit to, to you again, Stephanie <laughs> Phillips Andover.
1: Yeah, so you getting all this on video and tape? <laughs> all this,
2: all
1: this that I was right.
2: You, you had this at the beginning weeks of the year, ago and it, weeks, weeks ago. months ago, you had this right. You had it back when we had them. I think ninth. You said no, 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 no. They're much higher, and they were in the final. And granted, Williston won. They won their second straight Elite Eight, which is impressive as heck.
1: They did, yeah. They talk about some of their big players. So senior Emily Crovo, who's going to be graduating this year, talk about stepping up in big moments for that team. So she had the game winner against Nobles in overtime and picked up tournament MVP for that Elite Eight. So just talk about big players stepping up in big times and, and having a senior play so well to sort of lead her legacy leave her legacy excuse me uh with graduation but I think with the the championship I was maybe just anticipating a closer game you (laughs) said like you kind of someone's going to these games and you're just expecting like a one goal game yeah but and I think the first period of the championship it was zero zero, and I think Williston sort of broke free a little bit in the second and then we had sort of a pretty even third but uh, but again overall just another great year of hockey and Good for Williston, two years in a row now.
2: I mean, we talked about this last time. Is our things starting as the tide starting to shift towards Williston, it feels like potentially, I mean, that's two straight. One more, they're a dynasty. Absolutely. And I mean, again, I think they are built it seems like they're building something really special out there and, and recruiting the right players. And again, to have that success to beat nobles last year is kind of symbolic, and then this year to beat Phillips Andover. I mean, but do you think a team like Phillips Andover could be a team that is now consistently gonna be in the in the mix here?
1: I would say so, because they, similar to Nobles and Williston, they just, this year, had all of the right tools. Mm -hmm. And with all of these teams, all three of these teams, they were incredibly deep. Now, I think of these three teams, Nobles will actually graduate the least amount of players this year. So that's kind of interesting, I think, to look at for next year. That's good for them. Yeah, like Phillips Andover and Williston will graduate larger classes, very talented players too. So, so we'll see. We'll keep an eye on all three, but great for Phillips Andover as well. This was, in my opinion, probably the best team that they've ever had. And Martha Fitton's been there for a long time, has done an incredible job and really has helped push girls hockey along.
2: Good for them. That's a, that's a good thing to hear, and, and it'll be interesting. We'll be back here, and we'll be back here many times until October. But when we do our girls prep preview episode, that'll be an interesting storyline to watch. Of can Williston Phillips Andover get back there with after losing so much? But that's for later this year, Stephanie.
1: Well, little teaser that will little yeah, teaser going yes. on the hook for yes. our upcoming shows, and so the, so the large school bracket so Mm -hmm. we started a little bit with that so I think no surprises per se so we St. Paul's who was ranked number one going into that did end up getting the championship and the only maybe surprises there going into it was St. Paul's one Westminster was two so they ended up losing and Taft was the team that ended up getting to the championship game so I don't know if you want to call it an upset or Mm not but I mean it's just because it's so close but but really just great games I mean every game I think except for one in that division was a one goal game.
2: I mean, team. And, and and again, I mean, it goes back to kudos to St. Paul's for taking the, the final to nothing. And again, that's a, that's a big thing for them. The small school bracket, though, is interesting cause small school, number three, New Hampton beat number one, Groton. That's a fairly solid upset in the championship.
1: It It is. Yeah. And New Hampton, no, no stranger to playing in these big uh, playoff games. And they, they have, it's a good team. They have a lot of talent there. Julia Pellerin, who will finally graduate this year. She's a Boston College commit. She had a great tournament, picked up the MVP for the small school. So, I mean, they they have a lot of great players there. So I wasn't necessarily surprised. I mean, I think the one and two, as we said, you get to that championship, it can almost go either way. And, Mm -hmm. And also just quickly for St. Paul's, not to mention too, under a new coach this year. So oh, wow. her first year Kelly Mackey yeah taking over that program so good for her picking yes. up a, a championship in her first year and they have a lot of talent there and I think they they also pr- got progressively better and better as the season went on so they didn't really start strong they they kind of came out the gates pretty slow but they they really picked it up and they they got a lot better as the season went on and they were they were hot at the right time
2: it does. It can't be getting hot at the end of the season, and to have a new, a first year head coach and Kelly Mackey to do that definitely makes a huge difference. So, I mean, did you have any other big overarching thoughts from the from the girls? I mean, to be a coach in it, I mean, how did you think it? How do you think it was organized? How do you feel it went? Things like that.
1: Yeah. Well, I think the to answer your first question, I think Evan, what we predicted or laid out leading into the playoffs worked out pretty similar. We're to, not too far off. Yeah. So really, besides just that small school. Uh, uh or excuse me it's the large school division all of the championships were number 1 and 2 mm-hmm. playing with each other so no surprises there but i think the as i mentioned i think just at the beginning of this show the, the 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 prep playoffs are a lot different from what i'm used to and i think in a in a good way like so just for example it's much harder to make the playoffs and the teams that just fall out there's a ton of great teams that don't get in and there's very little points that separate these teams
2: so little margin for error
1: so it could be like point tenth of of points that really separate these teams when they when they make the final brackets but but again from there so the to win a championship you have to win three games and i think it's interesting because i think when you when you're in the miaa like it's it's three to four weeks it's a grind and you have marathon. to <laughs> stay perfect almost and so i think with the prep like your results or your games leading up to the playoffs, maybe there's more weight on it because like I said, it's just, it's harder to actually get in. So you're, you're almost fighting to get in. And then once you're in, you have to win three games. So it's just, I, I kind of am approaching it first year, this year, but with a little bit of a different mindset going forward, because yeah. I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a sprint if you will, to be able to win a championship at the end.
2: I even think of a team like Avon in the, on the boys side Saturday afternoon playing in Avon and then the next day granted it's not till 5 p.m. But you have to go all the way up to Manchester, New Hampshire to play the next day for a championship. That's a lot.
1: It's it is a lot. And that's, again, something to factor in with some of these results like that's that. And that's also not common. It's very uncommon throughout your season to be playing back to back games like that. And to have that kind of travel. Yeah. Yeah. So, So heck of a tournament. Well, and I think, again, like on the boys' side, the girls' side did not disappoint.
2: Nope, it did A didn't. lot of
1: great games, and we're just so happy that we could provide such great coverage to our Yeah, audience.
2: we had a lot of girls' prep coverage this weekend. It was awesome. I was really happy with the amount we had, which was good.
1: Now, Evan, of course you get a small break i think hopefully with the prep coverage but of course we have the miaa coverage that's still going on right now
2: a lot of miaa stuff uh, transitioning to that we obviously have scoreboard pages for everything we have stories coming on we'll have a ton from championship day on the 19th but we also have a lot of prep stuff left like there's a lot a lot of wrap up stuff a lot of looking to next season i love doing early looks i know it's not the picture's not fully painted yet, but we're gonna do a lot of that. We I have a story coming in the next couple of days, five most memorable moments from the championship day. We have best first year players, best freshmen from the whole season. We have we still have for people who love the top performers every week, we still have top performers from the entire season coming next week. So Sounds we have, awesome. So we have a lot of stuff can't wait to see that. We have a lot of stuff coming. We also have the the magazine. The magazine which is gonna have stories on all champions girls and boys for prep as well as girls and boys at MIAA. So lot of stuff. So I, it's funny, like prep ends and it's like, oh, I can take a break. And then it's like, I really can't. <laughs> There's a lot coming. So, Does but it it's ever fun. end, really? It, it doesn't really end, but I love it. So it's, it's a good thing. I love, I love doing what I do.
1: Well, wonderful. And we, lo- we love it as well. Well, thank like, you. We love that you love doing what, what you do. You do such a wonderful job. And hopefully you get at least a day this weekend just to chill out. And again, we'll have lots of great MIAA coverage still to come. Yeah.
2: Lots of stuff. There's a lot of stuff coming. It, as I said, it, it's the quote unquote off season for prep, but it, it really doesn't end. It will continue on and there will be lots of spring and summer stuff to, to talk about and to write about, which should be fun.
1: Well, Evan, always a pleasure.
2: This has been great, Stephanie. It's been such a fun year doing this. We'll be back here again soon for MIAA stuff and whatever.
1: No question. And that does it for this edition of RinkWise. Our podcast is produced by David Yaz. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Any Hockey Journal, And subscribe online at HockeyJournal.com. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. RinkWise is a Siemens Media production.